The Scuttlebutt is proud to welcome Millerstown Pick Apart, a self-service salvage yard where you can get parts you need for your car, truck, or van at very attractive prices because you do the work. Bring your own wrenches, hammers, screwdrivers, sockets, jacks, drills, or whatever you need, except for torches, to wrestle out the parts you need for the vehicles in the yard. Millerstown Pick Apart was created 17 years ago to provide reasonably priced solutions for auto parts needs. Millerstown is the perfect fit for those seeking discount auto parts to repair their own vehicles. Millerstown has a huge inventory of cars, which they purchase from individuals, towing companies, and auctions, and from its sister auto salvage recycling operation. For hours, directions, inventory, parts availability, and pricing, you can go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T-Y-A-R-D, pickapartyard.com, or call 724-224-4777. That's pickapartyard.com, or call 724-224-4777. Doing JRTC, it kind of just like gives me good fundamentals of life that I can carry on. And that's what I really get out of the class. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, Director of Programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club, whose mission is to create communities of listening around veterans and their stories to connect, educate, heal, and inspire. Uh, today, we are gonna be presenting part two of our JROTC series. Uh, we started with North Allegheny here in Western PA, and we loved it so much that we decided to do Pine Richland with Mike Gasparetto and two of his cadets. Um, so we're going to dive a bit more into some of the JROTC mythos or, you know, a little bit of the mission, um, find out about Connor and Caitlin and sort of what brought them to JROTC and, and talk to Mike about his service and what JROTC means to him. So I'd like to welcome you all to the Scuttlebutt. I'm really excited to have you all on board. We'll go around the room real quick. Uh, but before we do that, uh, audience, if you've been liking the Scuttlebutt, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell. And please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please reach out to me with any ideas or thoughts or concerns at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Um, Again, thank you guys all for joining me for another episode uh, here. And uh, Chief, this is how you have it listed here on Zoom. Uh, Chief Mike Gasparetto, uh, please introduce yourself. Welcome. Well, as you said, Sean, uh, I'm a retired Chief Mike Gasparetto. I spent uh, 30 years on active duty, um, which looking back seems like a snap of the finger how quickly that went by. Um, I started in 1981, leaving the inner city of Detroit where I was actually safer in the Air Force than my own neighborhood. Mm. A story for another time, if you want to hear how many times I could have met my demise. But uh, joined the Air Force and became a, what was called a, an ammo troop. So uh, I, I put uh, conventional nuclear weapons together, brought them out to the aircraft. Somebody put them on the aircraft, and they went out and did their business. And I did that for six years, became a recruiter, and I did that for actually 24 years. And uh, highlight it's not easy work. It's not, but it is sure it sure is rewarding. And I, I mm -hmm. think what led me to what I'm doing now, because um, I got to positively affect a lot, a lot of young lives. But uh, highlight assignments were during the Cold War from 83 to 87, Han Air Base in Germany, which is now closed. Never knew how close we were really to being incinerated during the Cold War with the nuclear weapons all around us. And the other highlight assignment would have been as a recruiter, as a career field manager at the Pentagon for three and a half years. It was after 9-11. I was there from uh, January of 05 to June of 08 mm. and uh, got to meet a lot of interesting folks, do a lot of interesting things. Uh, just tremendous assignment. And uh, my last duty assignment was here in Western PA down in Cannonsburg, there's a recruiting squadron there, and that's where I retired out of. And got a phone call about six months before I was retiring saying, hey, they are opening a unit at Pine Richland. They just hired the officer. You better call them. And I said, okay, I did call them, got the job. That was the seventh interview he did. I guess I must have been better than the first six. And I've uh, been doing that. This is my 11th year, and it's, I, was, I loved being in the Air Force. I was just hoping to find a job after the Air Force that I could learn to like, but I love this gig. Uh, I still get to positively affect young lives, and I get the summer off. 
<laughs> it's never a bad thing. Never a bad um, thing. Boy, so you were at the the Pentagon through uh, after the invasion of Iraq through this through the surge. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So busy time. It was extremely busy time, especially for recruiting special ops. So that was a tough career field or a number of career fields to actually try to fill. And I worked firsthand with pararescue, combat controllers, TACPs, combat weather folks. I would go to meetings and they'd tell me what they need. And we try to come up with a game plan of how to incentivize and get folks to be interested and then try to get them qualified. And we actually put special operators in recruiting squadrons who are there till this very day in the same capacity. And they take the the recruiting approach right directly to the applicant from a PJ's perspective or a combat controller's perspective or a TAC piece perspective. So that really streamlined the process and got more quality folks coming in the door. Still mm -hmm. career field to get through to become qualified, but uh, it's a matter of fact, we had one of our cadets, uh, Mike or uh, Ian Slay. Sorry, I was thinking of the other cadet uh, for a minute, but Ian Slay is a, a a uh, combat controller right now. And he just sent me an email. I haven't even opened it up. I wish I had to see what was going on, but mm -hmm. he, he does a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, I'm sure. Um, well, thank you for that, Mike. Uh, we're going to go around here. And, and Connor, uh, welcome to the Scuttlebutt, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Connor. I'm a senior. I'm, I'm a junior at Pine Richland. Um, I first started getting into JROTC when uh, they came to promote at the high or the middle school across the street in eighth grade in my history class. Uh, I kind of knew what it was before then, and it looked really interesting. And uh, so I decided to give it a shot, and uh, I loved it ever since. Um, I plan to continue doing it for the rest of my uh, high school year. Um, what I plan to do when I get out of high school, uh, either try and commission in the Air Force or the Navy. My father was in the Navy. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd like to do either that. If I could, I'd try to be a pilot in either the Navy or the Air Force. I've always loved flying. It's something I'd love to do for a career. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it about me. Connor, when we were talking with the last cadets in our first episode, one of them had recently gotten a flying license through JROTC. Um, is that something that you think you'd be interested in pursuing? Uh, yeah, there is a uh, way we could do that here at our program in JROTC. Um, I believe it's over the summer that uh, mm -hmm. you could do that. Um, uh, I'd have to look into it, but that'd be an awesome experience for me to have. And uh, I would love to do that if I uh, can the opportunity. Nice. Um, we'll come back to, to you definitely. Caitlin, uh, welcome to the Scuttlebutt. And if you'd like to introduce yourself, please. Hi, thank you. So I am Cadet Colonel Caitlin Howard. I am a senior this year and I'm going into my fourth year of junior ROTC. And I've loved the program ever since I was actually in eighth grade. So I have an older sister. Her name is Mazin Howard. She um, started in her ninth grade, which is how I kind of got really introduced into the program. And then I was able to meet a lot of people early on, which kind of just got me really excited to start the unit and which made me stay honestly is because of the people. Nice. Um, yeah. You mentioned that you are a cadet colonel. Now, something we didn't get into too in depth in the first episode was job titles and ranks. And that's something that I didn't quite understand about JROTC is that there's you go through a ranking system, but you also have jobs. And, and mm -hmm. this is still in a classroom. You're still coming to class and still learning. Mm -hmm. But how does that work? How, how, do, how do you gain rank? What, how do you get a job title? Okay, so you gain rank through going through like a leadership school. So in our area, the school that we go to is MCOOLS, which stands for Mountaineer Cadet Officer Leadership School. It is at Concord University in West Virginia. And from there, we do like a week-long program with physical activity. You do in-classroom things. You also do drill. And then you do like raiders. And then you do games. It's a really fun week. But you have to go to like a leadership school in order to go higher into ranks and then get into position into the org chart, which is just like our organization chart, which you have jobs for. Um, in order to go ranks, you have to go there. But then your position also in the org chart allows you to get a higher rank. So like, for example, I am the cadet group commander of the entire unit. So that means I had to go through like all my stages because I was the drill commander last year. So I had that position. And then from there, I had an interview to move up and type of thing. And then I pick 
um, along with my deputy group commander, who we feel would best fit into like our jobs in the organization chart. And you interview with Mike? Yes, I interview with Chief, um, our other instructor, Major, and then that current group commander. And this is the thing that I maybe am so confused about is that in this classroom setting, you get a job title, but what is the, what do you do with your job? So um, with the job, it's the main thing what we do in class is to kind of have like shop meetings. So mm -hmm. we will be working with things to try to get like our unit involved. Like for example, we have a shop called Outreach. And in that shop, it's like talking about how to do like recruiting events. So then in that class period, they will talk about some like ways to get people involved to be able to like recruit them. Like Connor said, going over to the middle school, hmm. talking to them about our program. So it's kind of like in that class, we're able to like have shop meetings and each like classroom really has different shops to get different things done. Connor, uh, as you've sort of looked through uh, gaining rank, gaining job titles, are there any that like stood out to you? Like, is there, a, is there like a, a branching system where you can say, I really want to go for this or that? Well, it's funny you say that because I was given the opportunity to uh, have the job that I wanted this year, uh, which was to be the vice drill commander, um, uh, along with uh, obviously the um, drill commander as a whole. We just had our first drill practice today, actually, after school. Now, um, if, if I may interrupt, if, sorry, if, sorry to interrupt real quick. When you say drill, this isn't like drill sergeant, like like Mike knows about no. a drill sergeant. No. <laughs> like it's you're not a, drilling uh, the other students. This uh, is like running. Yeah. How, how does that run? It's marching. So if you've okay. ever seen like uh, different branches do their marching teams, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. I figured that'd be a little different if it was <laughs> yes, <laughs> full metal <Definitely>. jacket. <laughs> yeah. Definitely none of that. Yeah, exactly. Sergeant Hartman, yeah. So what led you to, to want to become vice drill? Well, I started doing drill my freshman year, and I also did it last year. It was kind of tough to do last year because of all the COVID pandemic things going on. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely loved it my freshman year. We went to a bunch of drill competitions. Uh, those were a blast. And as uh, Kate said, you really make it do make a lot of friends in the program. And in drill, it's kind of like a second family within the program that you get really close to people with. So I really enjoyed that, and I was uh, privileged and honored to be a vice drill commander this year and uh, uh, teach the new cadets how things work in drill, and um, I'm very excited for the drill year ahead of us. Mike, how do you select the person that takes over this job title, and, and is it usually a choice? Is there a disappointment in the students who don't get that job title? Absolutely, because we have a number of cadets three, four that will interview with all with the aspiration of being where Cadet Howard is right now, and that's the group commander and to be a cadet colonel. So some folks are obviously disappointed, but even if they don't get that job, they may get, so she's at the, the group commander position and below the group are two squadron squadrons. And then we need a squadron commander for each one of those. So they tend to fall into those positions. And uh, Connor, if you could just explain what rank you will be receiving because of your current position just to answer sean's question a little more thoroughly i believe i'd be getting the technical sergeant rank in uh, uh drc i'm currently a senior airman mm -hmm. very nice and that that follows that mike that's sort of how it like what's the top rank you can get it's what cadet howard has right now cadet colonel is the top and there's okay Cadet Lieutenant Colonel, which is right below her, that's what her vice group commander or deputy group commander has. And then both squadron commanders are also lieutenant colonels. However, the vice commander outranks the two squadron commanders because he's at the group versus the squadron. And then we have trickle-down effect. From there, we have, much like Connor, we have shops and shop chiefs that are a certain rank. And then right below them, there's a vice for each one of those shops and that requires a certain rank for sergeants require cadet senior NCO ranks mm -hmm. went through the M Coles that Kate mentioned. Um, and we couldn't go to West Virginia this past summer. So we had to, we put our own together at right on the campus and we, we were there for a week and that satisfied that block being checked, but the, the cadets really strive hard once they realize what rank means and mm -hmm. what 
the position means they have their sights set on and i think i can speak for can you correct me if i'm wrong she probably had her sights set on being at the top probably as early as 10th grade maybe even a little sooner i kind of knew i wanted it and like that was my goal ever since freshman year honestly because the group commander was in my class my freshman year and just seeing how he worked and what he like wanted to do for you and it just really inspired me to become the group commander and strive for that goal. And, and Sean, our program's all about character development. Mm -hmm. Teach leadership education. And we do many different things and talk about leadership in many different ways. And I just tell a lot of stories about what I did as a supervisor and a senior leader. And then let them, it's a cadet run program. So we let them run the program, much like Connor was along with the drill commander. We were running that first day of drill. I was in the cafeteria where they have the, the drill practice, but I didn't interact other than initially just welcoming everybody. And I just watch. And it's kind of an awesome thing to see just watching the cadets who have been in drill before take the new cadets who have never been in drill before and just watch them share that knowledge. And I was watching it within the first, within those three hours, first three hours today, they were already able to march and do some facing movements that they had no clue three hours earlier. That's excellent. It's awesome. Um, maybe we'll start with Connor and Caitlin's answer to this question. And, and excuse me, I'm sure the audience probably noticed I was like looking down a lot. So I'm like writing furiously. Questions are just flying into my head. Um, <laughs> what do you feel JROTC has taught you about the military? Um, specifically, like understanding rank and structure and like uh, that. Um, but further than that, what, what has it taught you about the military in, in specifics? Okay, I will go first for this one. But for me, um, I learned a lot about the uniform and like how to wear it properly and just like the little details of it. And then from there, it kind of just expands more on like my everyday life. So even though we do wear the uniform and it's a very big part, it can relate to other things, which I kind of like because then we also learn about how like respect in the military and how we can also carry that into our lives. Like chief is a very big, um, if you give me respect, I will give respect back type of thing and how to respect your upper leadership. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've learned early on from chief because it has like that military structure to the class, which I personally really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Kate on that. Um, the structure is a great thing. And like she said, um, this class teaches um, how, if you aren't already, but how to respect people and that you sh everyone should respect people. Um, also uh, shows discipline, um, uniformity, uh, you know, uniform, attention to detail, the little things that are very important. Um, so, and as they always say, you know, once you put on the uniform, it's one less thing you have to worry about trying to figure out what to wear. So that's a, that's a good one. I did not say that in episode one. I like that. Um, the uniform is definitely something I want to come back to because it seemed like a little bit of a point of contention in episode one where uh, the cadets, though they respect the uniform and appreciated the uniform. It was something that they found difficult for new recruits to understand. Like I got to wear my uniform one time a week and you know, that, that seemed like a little, little more difficult for the new recruits to, to, to get, but I love Connor's answer of just like, well, it's one less thing you have to worry about wearing. Um, does the uniform uh, carry a sense of honor with it when you do wear it? Of course it does, because you're representing the military, you're representing everything that's happened in the history of the military. So I feel very proud wearing it. And that's never something I will be embarrassed of because there's a lot behind this uniform and I love wearing it. Yeah, to follow up on that, to be honest, if I could wear the uniform every single day of the week, I honestly would. I mean, I love wearing this thing. I mean, it makes me feel good about myself. It makes me feel confident of all the things that I have achieved and that I can achieve, not only in Jared's T, but outside of Jared's T and in life in general. Awesome. Uh, before I move on to my next question, Caitlin, can you kind of d define for me what is on your uniform? The 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 red or the green rope, yeah. uh, the badges, like, can you sort of walk us through that? 
Yes. I could you could you turn your camera down a little bit? There you go. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. perfect. So um, this is my cord. This kind of just tells that I am the cadet group commander and the deputy will have one also. It is just yellow. And then some more people within the unit, depending on their job positions. Um, these are all my ribbons. I will lift the lapel up so you can kind of see them. But these are my ribbons. The ribbons each have different meanings. And um, you can get like warded ribbons from like our banquet, which you have at the end of every year, or just um, if I do something and I re meet the requirement for it. And then this is my rocketry badge, which I did for being on like the rocketry, which we build rockets and then we launch them and successfully recover them three times, we get a badge. Um, this is my name tag, which is, you know, just has my name on it. This is my awareness presentation team, which we go over to like the middle school. We talk to them about something. In my case, where I got it, I talked about stress and gave them some ways to um, go come like overcome stress. And then just kind of like also like a little bit of anything that they could be aware of. And then this is the excellence badge, which is for having nothing below a C on my transcript and a three, at least a 3.5 GPA. And then these are my ranks. And shoulder? Oh, yes. And then this is my drill tab to show that I am on the drill team. Nice. Awesome. Um, okay, so this was a question I was thinking of earlier in that a lot of things that happen at VBC, we, we talk a lot about the, the civilian-military divide. A lot of civilians probably don't know a lot about the military, if anything at all. Um, and they, you could say probably a lot of Americans are, are pretty guilty of, of not following up about what's going on with the military, the news, things like that. Do you find that JROTC has given you sort of a doorway into understanding more about the military and looking at current events and understanding what's going on with the military day to day? Yes, um, chief and major always talk about what's happening. And so like they, if we don't know what's going on, if like you don't watch the news, they will bring it up and then we'll just talk about it and just be a casual conversation in class. And it's not like other classes because usually people will kind of just keep things that are happening in the military and like politics alone because they don't want to like offend anyone. But we can have like those open conversations about what's going on and how it's affecting us in the class. Mike, do you feel like uh, the best way for you to run JRTC is to bring that education, that sort of military knowledge to the students so that they, it's not, uh, it's demystifying it a bit. It's saying like, this is a part of our society, this military, um, you should know about it. You should be informed about it to be a better uh, civilian. Absolutely. And what I've experienced throughout my entire military career since 1981 is nothing but support because 1981 wasn't that far removed from Vietnam. Hmm. At that time, folks realized the injustice that they did to the Vietnam veteran. So I never experienced anything but positive support from family members and anybody I walked to. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've had lunch or dinner brought to me anonymously. Mm -hmm. I go to pay my bill and it's taken care of. But what I try to bring to the classroom is obviously a better understanding of what the Air Force is all about and the military in general. When I Before I had my assignment to the Pentagon, my tunnel vision was, I had some serious tunnel vision about recruiting. That's all I, I knew for so long. But then I got to the Pentagon and then I saw other services. I had to interact with them at the recruiting level and beyond. And my, my scope got a whole lot wider. And that's what I try to bring to the, to the classroom, open up their eyes it's kind of like our community service requirement. We try to force cadets out of their comfort zone and get them from looking in the mirror and thinking about themselves to looking around and seeing who they can help. And that community service is a big driver of that. And these two cadets can probably tell you, I tend to be a pain when it comes to folks not volunteering when I think they should be, because I'll go right down the row in the classroom and say, what are you doing on this night? Nothing, so why aren't you doing this? Because the unit needs you to do it. So kind of get them in the mindset that get out of your comfort zone. There's more out there. And the military has been, well, the military has done so much to keep this country safe and free, more so than most folks, including myself, will ever know. But it says a lot for someone 30 years in the military. Well, I, I mean, I, I had a, an Air Force focus, and there were so many jobs in the Air Force that 
I'll give you a great example. I joined in 1981. I didn't find out about a particular aircraft until 1989, and it had been flying since 1978. Yeah. So they kept that thing secret to me for eight years. Mm-hmm. That was the F-117, which is the, the fighter jet that looks like very odd looking. And they've since retired that. So I'm always thinking, well, what are they working on right now that they're not talking about? Mm-hmm. And there was a general, three-star general, who made a comment. And then he was actually forced to retire because of this, this comment. But I remember part of the conversation. He said, stuff is on the shelf right now that could get you from point A on the planet to point B in an hour. Think about that. I want one of those. I do too. (laughs) I mean, I'd like to go to the other side of the planet in an hour versus taking a whole day to get there. Exactly. Um, Do you think this, I was going to save this question to the end, but do you think JRTC should be required? And I say this because there's been a lot of talk in, in this, in, you know, out there that, hey, bring back the draft, or there's ways that we can get more civilians to have skin in the game, uh, or understanding about the military. Is is it, should we require it back in the high school level so that everybody has some level of understanding of the military? Absolutely not. And here's why I say that, because when I think about the draft, I would say the same thing. I want somebody beside me, in front of me, or behind me that wants to be there, because I saw what happened through history, my history lessons about Vietnam and how there were folks there that they didn't want to be there. And I mean, it showed and how they operated or didn't and got people killed. Now, the folks that are in the, the military really want to be there. So I'd rather have a cadet in my classroom that wants to be there because then our program works like it should be working. Mm-hmm. There's some programs that they tend to get the kids that have discipline issues. Mm-hmm. And that's tough to, to do what you have to do when you're dealing with discipline all day long. Right. So these two cadets want to be there. They're the examples that we, we want them to be to set for the younger cadets coming in. And no, I, I don't want it to be a mandatory requirement. Now it would be, it would be great for a lot of people, but we had three quit this year in the first week because they didn't want to get their haircut. We have some that don't consider us at all because of the haircut or the uniform. Right. If I join the program without having to wear the uniform, I do it. Well, there's more to it than that because we do so much in uniform outside of class that it's just not going to work for you to be in the program unless you are committed. Right. And I really like the answers that Connor and Caitlin gave about what the uniform means to them and that the honor of, of wearing it. Um, speaking a bit to your history, Mike, the, the 30 years... Um, Caitlin and Connor, when you when you hear about chiefs thirty years in the military, what does that what does that mean to you? Um, to me, it means time for being old. <laughs> I won't say that. In eighty one, I was born, so I'll, I'll eat no. myself. <laughs> Chief, you are so young. Thanks. Um, <laughs> um, hearing that he has like the thirty years of experience just really gives me a different view to see him because I know what he's been through, and he always tells stories. So it's just a really high respect level to where when he shares the stories and like everything that he's done for us and like in the military, it's just cool to see. And like, I, I really respect it, honestly. And it's not that like, he, yeah, he's had experience because it's 30 years, but it's something I always see as like, he you can just go to him because he has that experience and with the different things, cause he's been to the Pentagon. And if someone's interested in like the military, they can just have those conversations with chief because he's so knowledgeable. And a lot of people don't have those. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with Kate because like it, it, it proves that 30 years. I mean, that that's pretty incredible. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who do anything for 30 years. I mean, people switch jobs, they switch, uh, companies and stuff like that um it's really incredible to see how some people especially chiefs stick with one certain uh thing not necessarily he did multiple things in the air force but stuck with the air force for 30 years that's very admirable and i am very blessed to have had that opportunity 
because there were a number of moments where I actually thought about getting out of the Air Force. And mm -hmm. fortunately, I reasoned with myself and said, no, this is a great gig. But the Air Force, you have to hit certain promotion marks in order to stay in 30 years. And the Air Force was kind enough and I was supported enough to get promoted to my final rank of Chief Master Sergeant E9, uh, which would be uh, um, Master Chief in the Navy or Sergeant Major in the Army or the Marine Corps. That was that got me to the 30-year point. Otherwise, I would have had to retire a lot sooner. But carrying that into JRTC, being able to share those experiences, I just went over 40 years in uniform, which is hard to believe in to Connor's comment. Comment: I've had 40 years of never having to figure out what to wear in the morning. <laughs> That's awesome. But so many other things, and I'm just blessed to still be doing what I love. And uh, let's talk a little bit about leadership. Mike, you're 40 years in, in, in uniform. What, what have you learned about leadership over that time? And what do you try to impart to your cadets about leadership? That it's not about me. It's about those that I lead and supervise or teach. Mm -hmm. um, initially in the Air Force, I was totally inward focused, just like any 18, 19, 20, 23 year old, whatever it was, until that light finally went on when I got taken under somebody's wing and that person just kind of showed me what I needed to know. And then I realized, well, there, there's a bigger picture out there and I, I didn't see it up until just now. And then, I'm, you know, I thought, okay, now I know what's going on. Then I got to that next level and realized, wow, it's an even bigger picture and there's more people to take care of. What I found is if I take care of those around me, meet their needs, do what they need to have done for them to be successful, that turns into my success. Hmm. So as long as I'm worried about those around me, everything else takes care of itself. And that's what I try to impart. As a matter of fact, and both Kate and Connor can attest to this, the major initially briefs while I'm putting everybody in uniform to all the new cadets that it's not about you any longer. It's about those around you. And as a leader, that's the focus that you need to have. And if we had more focus like that at a much higher level, we'd be in much better shape. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, I'll come to you next. Uh, what have you learned about leadership over the last four years in JROTC? Yeah, um, I learned that like with leadership, the best way to go and the best way for it to be successful is to have good followers. So I know... Um, my freshman year, I did the drill team and I was very passionate about being a commander of a team. And the drill commander at that time really helped motivate me. So just kind of like having those experiences that she was like, just go for it. I believe in you. I think you will do so good. Just kind of reflected on how I want to be as a leader. So just having like the experiences of being a good follower and trying to think of good ways to get people involved for them also to be like a follower and giving them the opportunity to be a leader is something that I've learned in leadership. Yeah, I absolutely agree with Kate. I mean, to be a good leader, you first have to be a good follower. Um, and uh, it's amazing to um, be at a, once you are a follower and you get up to a leadership position, it's amazing to see how much that changes you and not only that, but how much you can change people who are now under you in, in a positive light. Sean, I hope, I hope you pick up on what worked so well in JROTC. They both started, obviously, as freshmen. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they became that follower they needed to be. And then a little further along the line, then they became the leader that they wanted to be as they focused on a particular job. And they were trained by those senior to them. And now they are senior to those that they are training. And it's just a continual cycle and the military works the exact same way. So we, we absolutely mirror what the air force does on a daily basis. The only difference is when you're on active duty, we don't have to worry about the parents calling us <laughs> like we do for high school students. Right. Worry about that at all. <laughs> uh, a follow-up question for you, Caitlin, is that uh, you're, um, a female, a female cadet colonel. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? Um, you know, there are more women in the military now than there's ever been. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, what does that mean to you? Um, so 
I don't really like to put like the whole gender stereotypes into play because there have been two female group commanders before me mm-hmm. and just recently. And I mean, it's nice to see when I was a younger cadet so looking up to them and seeing how they could pretty much just be a girl boss and work it and do everything that they can as a guy could. And it's just cool to see like that legacy kind of going through. And I just always think about what younger girls might see as me being the group commander, like I did to them mm-hmm. and just kind of keeping that in the back of my mind and saying, what can I do that will inspire someone else? That's a great answer. I'd love to mic drop on that, but we, we still have a bit of time here. Um, uh, that was a great answer. Yeah, really. I got chills. Um, can you guys define for me probably one of your most gratifying moments so far in, in JROTC? Connor, we can start with you. Uh, in all honesty, one of my most gratifying moments so far was probably being able to be in the uh, vice general commander position. I mean, that's that's what I wanted to do, if anything, in the in the unit, um, and I couldn't be happier about uh, the decision they made. And I'm very thankful that they made the decision to put me in that position. What drew you to it? Well, I always liked doing it in my freshman year. I thought it was something very interesting and very different. Obviously, it's not something that the average person does. I mean, Jared C isn't the thing that the average person does, mm-hmm. um, but I I just loved doing it. I mean, I was on the junior varsity armed team. Uh, my freshman year, we used the rifles and stuff like that. Um, and I had a blast doing it. I made so many new friends doing that. Um, and yeah. Caitlin. Um, for me, it's definitely the experiences that I can do outside the classroom and more seeing people and talking to them. Like one of my favorite memories is actually when I went to the Be- Veterans Breakfast Club and I was able to sit down with veterans while we were eating breakfast and then just sharing their stories to me and having those honest and genuine conversations that I've never had before. And it was really Mm eye-opening just to hear what all they had to say and all the knowledge that they had from being in the military. And it kind of just changed my perspective on like my outlook of life and what to look at because I was so focused on like the now and what was going on with me and rather than what other people were going through and like their life stories. So that just kind of changed and shifted for me, but I love that. I'll toot VBC's horn. And I'm really excited that you have, that you came to a VBC event and talked to some of our veterans. Um, so, so you really felt JROTC sort of, I've been using the term again, demystified the veteran experience in a way, the military for you, that you felt you could sit down and have a, a casual conversation with a veteran about their service. Yes, of course. I'm just going to cut that. We're going to cut that and put that right into the into the Facebook right there because we want everybody to come, uh, civilian or veteran, to VBC events and have conversations with our veterans. We're all about the stories here. Mm-hmm. Um, continuing on with this idea of leadership, what you've learned already through your years in junior ROTC, um, how do you bring that leadership to your other classes, to your other classmates? Um, for me personally, I always see it as like, just because I have the knowledge and I am a leader does not mean that I have to be a leader in every class because I always see it as I like not to take over in everything and kind of give people opportunity to be those leaders because I already have the ability for myself and just kind of help motivate them and guide them along for like my other classes when we ever do like a group project or something is I'm not like that focused, I'm just gonna take control and go for it. I'm the kind of like, hey, who wants to take control? I will be your support and I will help you. But I also love giving people opportunities because that's what I got growing up, you know? Yeah, I 100% agree with Kate. And to add on what to, uh, add to what she said, it's also a great feeling whenever you are a leader and then you pass that role down to someone else and you see them do great things as well. It's the best feeling in the world that you helped them in that sense. And now they're doing great things that uh, you hopefully wanted them to do. And that's the greatest feeling to me. Well, the, the basic job of a leader is to train the next person to replace them. Mm-hmm. That, I was taught that way back in the early eighties in the air force. And that's what we focus on here 
as far as bringing folks along. We, we got to keep that, that consistent educational level, uh, competency level going. COVID's kind of hurt us in a lot of respects in that. Mm -hmm. We haven't been able to do the things that we have been doing in the past. So that product knowledge is going to be lost at some point. Like we haven't been able to go to our uh, M. Coles class in West Virginia two straight years. Mm -hmm. So we're not going to have any senior cadets going there that have been there before. So we're going to have to kind of, as instructors, we're going to have to start that whole process all over again. So, and we feel some of that right at the, the unit level as well. But the, the hardest part is just keeping that flow of knowledge, pushing it down to the lowest level possible so they can pick it up once the seniors graduate. Mike, I really liked what you said earlier about if someone doesn't have something to do on a Wednesday night, well, there's people that need help. Um, right. and, I, and I feel like this is something that I really respect about JROTC is that you're creating better civilians, people that want to go into the community and help the community. Um, Connor and Caitlin, as you've learned that over the last you know, three, four years, um, do you look around at your other classmates and try to get them involved in volunteering in trying to create better citizens around you outside of JROTC? Yeah, absolutely. Because not only we have blast in class, we do a bunch of great things in class, but half the fun and the greatness that we feel in JROTC is helping the community and doing things outside the class. Mm -hmm. uh, our community service, we have a bunch of events that happen all the time. Uh, obviously last year we weren't able to do as much because of COVID, but this year we've started to start things back up again. And, um, uh, community service, I think everyone should do community service and in, you don't have to be in JRC, the military. I think everyone should do community service. That's just, it's such a good sense of accomplishment when you help someone else and you don't, it's not about, you know, personal reward. It's about helping that person, um, in the community when they need it. I totally agree <laughs> Um, for me, like I always, my friends will always bring up like, what do you do in the class? And I bring up community service and then they're like, oh, that actually sounds pretty cool. So then my friends will like talk to me about some things that they could do. And then I can give them ideas of like doing like a food drive or helping out a family in need and gathering, um, all types of supplies. And then they actually get inspired and then they put those plans into effect. And it's really cool to see how they know from like my experience that I do community service and then they can carry it over to get some other people inspired to do that community service also. Mike, I, I have a feeling that you feel very proud tonight. Uh, absolutely, I mean, they, they both did a, a great job. They're very articulate in how they wanna express themselves. And I, I, can, I can probably say for sure that when they came to us as ninth graders, they weren't this confident when they spoke but it's through what they learned not just from the major and i but from their fellow cadets pulling them along and teaching them the ropes they gain this confidence to speak in front of a crowd today i was teaching class but all i was doing was uh, supervising as the cadets taught the class mm -hmm. so cadets are actually teaching the class today and tomorrow they'll do that and sometimes that that's very easy to, for them to do. And sometimes I'm more involved, but again, it's a cadet led program, but this gives them that kind of experience. And of course, all the cadets are like my kids. I'm proud of all my kids. Don't mess with my kids. <laughs> so true. Um, Mike, it, it, I would love for Pine Richland to be able to put this, this podcast, you know, up on their website, help you guys out, you know, release it to the middle school. Uh, I think that there's a oh, lot yeah. of really incredible answers here uh, and, and, uh, it can teach them about what JROTC is, what they can become as they, you know, gain rank and, and go for job titles and community service, all of that. Mm -hmm. um, can you give me, you know, your thoughts? What, what would you say to the eighth graders? Don't be afraid to try something different and tell your folks that if this is something that you are seriously interested in, you have to sell them on the idea because where we get a lot of resistance that we have to overcome every year is the parents, first they think, well, my, not for my son and daughter because they're not joining the military. Well, less than one or less than 4% of the 125,000 cadets worldwide actually go into the military. Mm -hmm. Character development is where it's at. So if you feel that it's something that 
you see some value in the program, give it a try. And if you look at me, hair's overrated. Your hair will grow back. And the uniform, as Connor said, it's one less thing to figure out what to wear during the week. Mm -hmm. And all the benefits that come along from the class through the attention to detail, the camaraderie, the becoming a family, all the extracurricular activities that we do, you'll find that far outweighs whatever inconvenience you might think you'll face by joining the program. And one thing that I was actually interested to learn is that if you're a part of JROTC, you're not required to join the military. That's correct. Although so, if you go in the military, you could go in an advanced rank, depending if you're there for two or three or more years, certain ranks on active duty. Caitlin, we didn't get at the very beginning. Do you plan to go to the military? I do not. I actually want to be an interior designer in architecture. Really? Okay. <laughs> you just opened up a whole Pandora's here. In our final couple of minutes, uh, JROTC has led you uh, through this. Uh, you've learned a lot, but that's a very different career path. So yeah. for those of you who are like thinking about JROTC and they're like, well, military is not for me, but I'm really interested in, in what it has to offer me in my future career. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah. So in the beginning, like in middle school, it's like, you know, the military seems cool. It seems fun. And then there came to a point where like, I actually want to go a different path in my life and doing J JRTC, it kind of just like gives me good fundamentals of life that I can carry on. And that's what I really get out of the class is like our cadet um, honor code and like a cadet will not lie to your seal. And like, we learn so many lessons that I take away from this class that I can go on to my later life, even though I don't want to be into the military and I want to be like an interior designer. So I just take the class and it's a lot of fun. And when people always ask me, oh, do you want to go into the military afterwards? And I say, no, I want to be, you know, they always have like that shocked look. And then I go on and talk about how much this class has affected me and how much I just enjoy it because of everything we do. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, Connor, as, as we sort of wrap up here, uh, what are your hopes uh, that you can get out of, out of JROTC over the next year? And then as you, I'm sure, would probably be planning to, to join in your senior year. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I hope that I get out of the same thing that Kate has, you know, even more of the same. Uh, they instill to us the core values, integrity for serve, source, self, and excellence in all that we do. And uh, as Chief uh, always says, uh, even if you don't uh, stick with the program, you should always remember those three things and you'll be successful in life. That's what I want to carry with me the most. Even if I don't end up joining the military, if I get another job, go to college or something like that, I would always want to carry those three things with me because I think that's the most important. Mike, as you look at these cadets and you think about the cadets that have already come through your program that you've seen go off to the military or go off to college, um, you know, what has made you the most proud? Wow, that's a tough one because there's so many. Um, probably just knowing that I've had some small impact to change the direction of every one of the cadets that whether they were with us for one year or four, that we, we made an impact. But there are three instances where I'll give you one example. A grandmother came up to me and said, Chief, you saved my grandson's life. Hmm. And I'm thinking, because he was in a class, he, he did okay. And I said, well, you know, I'm glad I had a small part in it. She, she said, she stopped me. And my wife was with me at the time. She stopped me and said, no, you don't understand. You saved his life. He was going to commit suicide. You and your program and all the cadets made a difference in his life and still with us here today. I mean, it almost brought me to tears. I'm booked, got goosebumps right now just talking about it. Yeah. That, that's just one of the many, I mean, how can you put a price on that? You can't. And it's not about the money. Mm -mm. I could have retired right after the Air Force and I'd have been fine, but I wanted to continue making an impact when then I get this kind of stuff. And I'm going to toot Kate's 
sister's horn a little bit, she was the same in the same position last year when she graduated. She was the uh, the cadet commander. Kate, Kate's sister, Madison, Maddie, as we call her, wrote me a full two-page letter, and she writes extremely small, so it was like four pages. And after reading it, I was blown away because she just talked about all the things that the classes meant to her. And wow, it just absolutely blew me away. Yeah. So I love this gig. <laughs> oh, that's, that's great to hear, Mike. Uh, I, I've, you know, I'm, as I was as, as inspired as our audience knows by our episode one, uh, with the cadets up in North Allegheny, I, I would say I'm equally as inspired by by both Connor and Caitlin here today, um, by your eloquence and your maturity and uh, just the uh, way that you handle yourself. I really wish that, you know, eighth grade Sean would have known about JROTC. I think I would have learned a lot uh, back at that point. That's why in some, some weird way, I'm like, boy, it'd be nice if somebody would have came and made me do it. Um, I don't know if my school had it even at this point, but Main point being is I, I, I really have uh, learned a lot about JROTC, and I'm really hoping that in some way the series that we're doing about this program or these programs will help bring more people to it because I think there's a lot to be learned by not only each other, but the veterans that are going to be running these um, uh, in, in, in each of the school districts around. Well, Sean, we, we appreciate your support of the veterans with what you're doing right now, so you can let that that disappointment of not being in JRTC all those years ago, go because you're taking care of business right now. And that's what's most important. I appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate uh, all of you coming onto the scuttlebutt. Um, I'm hoping that uh, this year, the school year goes well and uh, COVID doesn't put too much of a damp rag on everything. Um, but I, I wish you both the best of luck uh, through the rest of this year with, with uh, I guess you'd say your, your ranks, your job titles, uh, what you're doing with, with the program. Um, and, uh, we hope to see you at a VBC program as well. You know, we're going to be getting out there and getting some in-person stuff done. So be great to see you guys. We, we will Sean, we're going to be coming out just as soon as the, uh, we have the ability to go out and do color guards like we've done at the past at the breakfasts. Wonderful. Um, and to our audience, remember, please like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube. And please reach out to me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, veteransbreakfastclub.org. I'd love to hear from you. Um, thank you. And we'll see you on another episode of The Scuttlebutt. I want to thank Millerstown Pick Apart for their generous support and sponsorship of this program. For Millerstown's hours, direction, inventory, and pricing, go to pickapartyard.com. That's P-I-C-A-P-A-R-T-Y-A-R-D.com. Thank you so much, Millerstown, and uh, we'll see you on the next Scuttlebutt.